This is another exclusive voice-only edition of the RTF podcast with our most regular guest, Trad Patrick, host of Rights and Duties on YouTube, Rights and Duties. Trad Patrick is here. We're going to be talking about the Republican Party in the United States. We'll go from coast to coast. We'll start in Florida. We're going to break down exactly what we're seeing. Ron DeSantis, everybody's saying... Trad Patrick, Ron DeSantis needs to run for president. I even saw some tweets, Trump needs to step aside in 2024. Ron DeSantis needs to run. Mm. I guess we just exchange one Zionist for another. I guess that's the that's the plan for the GOP anyway. Well, I mean, there is a there is an image of him at the Wailing Wall wearing, what is a, what is that called, a yarmulke on his head? Yam- a yarmulke. But he's not yarmulke. Jewish, is he? He's not Jewish. No, no he's Catholic. DeSantis. Yeah, he's Catholic. Yeah, okay. He's so Italian. why is he wearing a yarmulke again? Is everybody who goes to the Roman fort uh, in Israel uh, pretends that it's uh, the western wall of the second temple, which geologically is incorrect, uh, location-wise is incorrect, but also biblically it's incorrect because... If there's a wall standing, then our Lord was mistaken when he said not a single stone would be standing. Uh, so uh, all that. But then, of course, there's... Wow, I, I didn't even know that. I, I just assumed when they said it was the Western Wall that it literally was like the one wall standing. But you're right. There shouldn't be a wall standing. Nope. Our Lord said there would not be a single stone standing. And then uh historically we have evidence that 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 wall was actually built after uh Pontius Pilate uh was the regional governor it was after Hadrian uh it basically set some things up and it and it was uh, a wall that was left over from the Roman fort uh or really it, I don't say it was a fort it was really kind of like the the barracks where the where the Roman legionnaires had lived um and trained so I guess I guess it's a fort whatever um, but why, why is it that every, every GOP member and, and some Democrats too, I mean, like, what is the whole, you know, that's probably not a good question. Well, okay. I'm going to ask the question. Why does everybody feel obligated to go and put the yarmulke on and put your hand on the wall and, and it's, it, it is acting. I mean, nobody's like actually upset about anything. Maybe they are. But, like, the fact that so many people parade through there, put their hand on the wall, take the exact same photo op. I mean, it's literally just a photo op. I mean, this is literally, like, just a check in the box, right? Well, if you check, if you check the, the if you check at any time, you check the pictures of these, these visits. And it's not just Americans. Uh, Putin has done it. Uh, Salvini's done it. Um, the only one who didn't do it was... Um, Oh, what was his name? He was the Italian uh, prime minister for a while, and then he got he got in trouble, got arrested, the whole nine yards. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. Um, he was the only one who didn't do it, uh, but uh, Trudeau has done it. Uh, Macron has done it, uh, you know, going all the way back. I mean, I believe Reagan did it too. Um Okay, no, so, so you go well, back. Well, well, let's just get into the things that people like about DeSantis. I mean, everyone says he's so based because he opened Florida earlier than a lot of other states opened. He's not the earliest to open, but he's the largest probably big state that opened. Uh, he 
removed the mask mandate earlier than Texas. He says he's against COVID passports and is trying to ban them. He it, he has uh, anti-rioting laws coming into effect um, as a response to BLM, Antifa, and all that. So, I mean, like, on the surface, all that sounds good. Tread Patrick, host of Rights of Duties, tell me why you're skeptical of this man who seems to be for law and order against uh, racist rioters, against COVID hysteria. Why is he bad? Well, it depends, right? So you say he's against racists. What what kind of racists is he really against? He just he just said in uh, in place uh, two laws in Florida. One is that um, uh, declaring uh, anti-Semitic uh, speech to be hate hate speech and declaring it a hate crime. Uh, he put in effect uh, Holocaust teaching uh, education or re-education, if you want to call it that, uh, in, in the public school system in Florida. Um, a lot of these guys, especially these GOP conservative types, are really just, they're really just closeted uh, Zionist uh, liberals. What, I, what I've coined the term is that they're, they're conservative liberals. Um, that's really what they are. That's what Trump was. Trump was a conservative liberal. And again, it, it all boils down to comfort. They're all coming from a place of comfort. So they'll never just, they'll never just come out and condemn black lives matter. No, they can't do that. First, they have to condemn white people. Right. And so that's the first step. Let me come out and condemn white people. Let me condemn anybody who, who dares to project any, any type of, uh, loyalty to, uh, you know, to culture or identity. And then I could do some back backdoor stuff. That's really kind of, uh, not really taking on Antifa or black lives matter, but just kind of throws a little red meat to the conservatives. Uh, but is ultimately feckless because they don't put in any harsh laws, uh, to put them away. Matter of fact, in most States, including Texas, uh, anytime BLM or Antifa get arrested, they're literally released from jail within within 12 hours. They don't even spend a night in in jail. So it's you know that's the thing with DeSantis, right? It's 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 more of the same that you got with Trump. It's just it's just slowing down the inevitable. But even by slowing down the inevitable, they lose. And you look at Trump as an example. He spent four years losing. I mean, he's always about winning. What did he win? He didn't win anything. He got impeached twice. Uh, <laughs> you know, and granted, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, uh, found guilty of anything, but it's still a stain if you're a president that you go through two impeachments in a four-year period. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I look at it and, and just think that in in neither case of the impeachment did the House of Representatives have any reasonable hope of, you know, no. over, of overturning him and, and, and removing him from office. I think ultimately they just did it for the history books to just to try to dismantle his legacy. I mean, this was, this was a play towards, you know, cut to 2020. 50 America and people are looking back at recent modern presidents and they go to Trump and they're like, Oh yeah, that guy was disgraced. He was impeached twice and totally unpopular. And like there was this whole Russian thing around him and Oh, but thankfully, you know, a normal person came into office and fixed everything. So they're, ju they're just trying to make him a footnote in, in history, I think. But I mean, back to DeSantis though. I mean, you know, 
I kind of want to. I kind of want to unpack this whole COVID passport thing because he gets a lot of positive news in the various places in Catholic media, and I know a lot of traditional Catholics who are like, "Oh yeah, DeSantis, he's so base. He's awesome. He's he wants to keep our churches open." If you read the fine print of what he's actually advocating, he's totally fine with Google or Amazon or Walmart or any of the big employers in the state of Florida mandating these COVID passports. He's totally fine with that. I mean, his ban is merely just saying, well, the state of Florida is not going to issue them, but if other people issue them, then that's fine. Well, so the so the idea with all these guys is that they come back and they, you know, they're they're complete and utter love for the free market, if you would, uh, comes into play. And so they say, oh, you know, it's not really up to us to tell businesses what to do. And if you don't like it, well, what you do is you just don't go to that business or you or you make your own Amazon and, and you know, all these other kind of ridiculous things that they always say. And it's and it, so, like I say, he's really just at the end of the day, he's really just uh, another uh, conservative. And and conservatism in America is not conservatism. I don't know how many times I have to say that to people before they actually listen. Uh, you know, even going back to, uh, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Kirk, Russell Kirk and all them. They, they really weren't yeah. conservative in, in the guise of what uh, conservatism is. You look at Buckley. Buckley wasn't a conservative, um, you know, uh, the closest we got in America to in, in our time uh, to a real conservative was Pat Buchanan. And the issue is, is that even even with Pat Buchanan, uh, they they did not want him around. And what did they do with Pat Buchanan? Right. It was it was essentially Trump and Roger Stone creating a fake third party. Uh, that kept Roger Stone, uh, that kept, excuse me, um, Pat Buchanan from winning the White House. And that's essentially how we ended up getting uh, later on uh, Clinton, who, as we all know, Clinton is good friends of the Bush family. Uh, Obama, good friends of the Bush family. So you, you re- realistically, you went from, you went from Reagan to, which Reagan with Bush, then you went to Bush. Then you went to Clinton, then you went to Bush, then you went to Obama, all friends. And now, now what do you have? You have uh, another Bush family friend, uh, mm-hmm. Biden, who comes out and he's t- uh, touting his tax plan. And who does he who does he uh, uh, invoke? George Bush. Literally says, you know, back when you know George Bush was, you know, if it's blah blah blah, you know, we're gonna go back to that, and and that's, you know, realistically, what people don't see, what people don't understand, is that they don't, uh, they don't get what these people really are. These people are not your friends. They're not your. They're they're not out to make things better for you. They're not out to to make your life better or easier. I know you get like, uh, of course, you get guys like, um, uh, you know, the Ben Shapiro's of the world and everything else, and they get all happy and they say, oh, yeah, you know, he's gonna put this tax plan and people making four hundred thousand dollars or less are not gonna pay any taxes. Well, that's bullshit. Um, you're gonna pay taxes. 
because all the things he's talking about paying, he can't pay. And then you get, and then of course you get the idea that he's going to tax these corporations, which I'm okay with. I'm ultimately okay with that, but they're not going to pay it because unless you get rid of the loopholes where they can just pick up and move their headquarters or they can just send their money to tax shelters uh, in, in the Caribbean or in Sweden uh, or in Switzerland, that's what they're going to do. They're going to go, okay, yeah, no problem. Uh, and the other thing is, is that corporations don't pay taxes. They charge taxes. So ultimately, maybe you don't pay any taxes, but the cost of your goods is going to go up. So you're still going to be paying that tax. And meanwhile, your salaries are not going to go anywhere. So while he's not even addressing the situation that needs to be addressed, the real situations in this country, which Bush, uh, which uh, Trump didn't address, uh, Obama didn't address, Bush didn't address, Clinton didn't address. So for for 20 plus years, we have not had anybody address the situation that housing in this country is unachievable for most people. Uh, it's out of reach or, you know, what they do is that used to say you don't pay more than 20 percent of your of your monthly income toward living. In other words, rent or mortgage. Now they readdress that and they say, well, nah, it's, realistically, it's about 50 percent. So what you're saying is, is that 50 percent of the money you take in every month just goes out the door just to live, just to have a shelter. Right. Uh, all of our land is being bought up by by mega corporations, by China, by everybody else. And they don't address that. DeSantis doesn't address that. You look at Florida. Look at what a mess Florida is. And, and, and everybody's going to praise this guy because he got he got rid of the most obvious things like like masks and yeah, yeah. And, and passports for shots. But, but those are obvious and easy. But but he had everyone forgets he had masks. Florida did lock down. I yep. mean, and that's the thing. The, these Republicans get all this praise. Like I remember when when Greg Abbott opened up Texas and he's like, Texas is open for business, y'all. And even today, as we're recording this, North Texas, also known as Oklahoma, is doing the same thing. Oh, to Oklahoma's open for business, you know, uh, hospital visits are down. People are like, oh, it's so great. These dear leader has stopped oppressing us and praise be to dear leader. But with the housing thing, Pat, I mean, this is a this is an economic reality that the twenty to forty year olds in the United States are really feeling, and they're looking back at prior generations who could afford to house their families on low paying jobs, on basic skilled, unskilled, non degree jobs, and they're looking at themselves and they're saying, "I have a master's degree and I can't buy a house." in the market that I live in. And sometimes they're living in really expensive markets or whatever, but there are, there are really, there's, there's a strong temptation to kind of go alt left with that data point. Cause you say, okay, I'm highly educated. I should be making enough money to pay for housing. I can't pay for housing. Therefore there's some other uh, economic forces acting on me that is outside of my control. And, and maybe what that economic force is, is there's just too many damn people 
There's too many people, and you can't make more land. We're running out of land, and that's what the problem is. And so these people fall into environmentalism, population control, alt-left stuff, you know, redistribution of wealth, uh, limiting limiting children. Uh, become they become uh, dog moms, etc. I mean, I, I really think that you're onto something with the housing thing being a driver for why so many people drift to the left. Give us an alternative worldview. Give us an alternative to. Um, why it costs so much to put a roof over your head right now. I've given, I've given that out to people and I've told people, I said, look, you look at the, you look at the zoomers, for example, most of them, even the ones that consider themselves on the right, uh, say that they would accept some form of leftist economics because they'll tell you, well, rightly ordered society is socially conservative, but you know, economically liberal. And that's absolutely a false uh, dynamic. It's absolutely false. It, there is no truth to that whatsoever. Uh, if you read great economists, not any of these these new guys, you know, that are all usurers and stuff like that. But if you read people like Heinrich Pesch, Father Heinrich Pesch, and others, you find out that that's absolutely untrue. Um, but it 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 really is. And the problem is, is that they misunderstand uh, the idea of too many people. It's not too many people. There's too many, too much immigration. And if you don't address immigration from a rightly ordered perspective, immigration becomes the problem. And then that forces you to not have kids that because now you're now you're in a situation where, you, you know, you'll hear a lot of these young people go, well, I have to met my wife has to work because we can't afford this, that or the other thing. Um, because again, they they don't want to give up comfort. They don't want to give up living in the suburbs. They don't want to give up being close to this or close to that. And you do have to sacrifice. You have to sacrifice. And sometimes that means that, you know, you, you, you might not be able to get to a, a Latin mass, uh, but maybe twice a month or maybe once a month because it's it's so far. Um, you might have to look at things like that because what's coming uh, is things that nobody is paying attention to. Nobody knows about. Nobody has a clue about it. Uh, and, and it's just it, it's really, really sad when you think about it, like just how bad uh, how bad things are that people just, they just don't even pay attention. So like you said, they, they gravitate toward comfort and comfort is liberalism and socialism and everything else, every other ism that's going to give them things. But when I give them an alternative and I say, well, here's the alternative and it's, and it's essentially rightly ordered monarchy without a king, it's fascism. And they go, oh, but that's mean. It's racist. It's, you know, uh, when you, when you talk about integralism, uh, and then you tell people, well, true integralism means that, well, you got to be a citizen and you got to be Catholic or you can't run for office. You can't run a bank. Uh, you can't get loans. You can't do all this. And they go, that's racist. Well, no, it's not. That's historically how nations were run uh, until the modern era. And the modern era brought us unlimited immigration. We have Biden uh, just pushes a bill. Uh, that he's going to bring in 62,000 more refugees, uh, which let's call them what they are. We're going to bring in 62,000 more ISIS members um, <laughs> right. into the country. Right. Uh, and then uh, as part of that executive order, he's actually going to force cities and states to take them, that they're not going to have a say in that. And where is he going to put them? 
Well, well he's going to put right. them. All right. Well, let, let me let me play. Let me at least ask a, t- a couple tough questions here because you brought up a you brought up a number of things. And I think the RTF audience is sitting here saying, wow, this guy, Trad Patrick, like he literally just said, I don't want immigrants and I want a fascist leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of these people in their minds are thinking to themselves, I feel like we already had a fascist leader. You know, his name was Barack Hussein Obama. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I don't think I like that too much. And and to be honest, even even though even though Trump was mostly uh, on our side, he was a bit of a fascist too. I'm not so sure about that leadership via executive order. So I, I have two lines of questions. I'm going to lay them both out to you. You can you can grab one, and I I I'll, I won't let you forget the other one. The first is is that you said that you know the reason why houses cost so much is because we have so many immigrants. Mm-hmm. Now, this actually kind of came up recently. Santorum said something about, you know, immigration, and it wasn't taken so well. He went on Andrew Cuomo. Cuomo gave him a chance to to respond because he was talking about how, you know, this is a nation of immigrants. We uh, our, All of our forefathers came over here for the most part uh, for, expressly for freedom of religion. They wanted to practice their faith, he says. That's the story of America. We had Puritans come over. We had Catholics persecuted in the British Empire come over. We had pilgrims come over, etc. We had Anglicans. And um, and so that's the story of this country. And nobody here has, has can point to their family being here for 500 years or 1,000 years or 2,000 years or 5,000 years. Um, whereas in other parts of the world, people can. So the, that's the first part of the question. I'm, I'm married to... Uh, the descendant of a recent immigrant. I know that my family immigrated here at a certain point. I'm not a Native American. You're probably not a Native American. You're uh, whatever you are, and um, and so so how how is it fair for us to then say, okay, well now we got to stop the immigrants. The second part that I want to bring up, never never before once, never ever been discussed on restoring the faith, is. You are you are literally advocating for a fascist. Like you are you're like a pro Mussolini guy, and mm-hmm. um, and I think that's a that's a jarring opinion. A lot of people are gonna be like, "Wow, that's that's pretty crazy." It sounds crazy. Well, let's start with the first one. Okay, nothing Santorum said was wrong. Uh, I I watched I watched the interview. I watched the original statement, and then I watched the. Uh, Dom homosexual lemon over there with his response where he's just about ready to cry like a little girl. Um, number one, it's two fundamental books across Atlantic ice and the movement of peoples. The movement of peoples was a book that was actually written, I believe in the 1600s. Um, so the movement of peoples starts way back, right? So it's way back. Noah, uh, you know, all the, all the descendants, Shem, all these people, right. And talks about how everybody goes out and, uh, populates the earth and, and, you know, all the different tribes, blah, 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 all the different people. And then different people become, uh, different races and different characteristics and, you know, onward and onward and onward. That's movement of people. And what does it say is that everybody originates from this one area after the flood, uh, and then they spread out. Across Atlantic ice takes that into to the more modern time and talks about how 
there are no there are no Native American uh, archaeological finds that date Native Americans to being here five thousand six thousand years ago. Okay, uh, and the reason is is that Native Americans didn't pop out of the soil here in America. Uh, they actually crossed the land bridge uh, and came over. Uh, a lot of a lot of DNA has been done to prove that uh, Native Americans have Asiatic from Asia Minor and Asia Major um, DNA. So nobody was really here. Now, of course, now we have the free movement of people. We have Christopher Columbus, and of course, there's the there's the reality that probably Leif Erikson, uh, a Catholic, uh, was actually the first one to actually get here, uh, even before Columbus, uh, and have, uh, established, uh, villages in North America. That being said, no, I'm not a native, uh, of this country. I cannot trace my family back to the Mayflower or anything like that. I can trace my family back to about world war one period. Uh, and then we left uh, for political reasons, um, <laughs> uh, and came back after world war two. So I'm, I'm only a second generation American. That is all I am. Uh, so America is unique in the situation because America became controlled by two groups of people, the Frankfurt school and Killargy and Killargy is really where all of this comes and, and, He's the glue of all this. And Kalargi's idea is that America should be a gray society. In other words, there's no white, there's no black, there's no Mediterranean. There's just American. And as such, it should be a melting pot. So he's really the one who terms, coins the term melting pot and really starts to push the idea that America needs to be this bastion, this beacon for all immigrants, for all refugees, and they should all come here. And America should really have no limitations on that whatsoever. So do we have a claim? Yes, we have a claim. Our claim goes from the fact that, uh, the people who came here, people who founded this country were Europeans. The country was originally a colony of England, uh, until the Freemasons that, that were here decided to have a temper tantrum and revolt against the King. Um, but this was a European settlement. Okay. This was colonized by Europeans, whatever term you want to use. It's a European country. Now, what does that mean? Well, you have to go back and you have to look at historical immigration patterns into the United States. That means that English, let's just say Anglo because English, Irish, Scottish, uh, they're all coming here in large numbers. They're, they're kind of like the largest number. Then you have Italians, French, and Germans. That's really the main group of people that are coming to America for the first hundred or so years, right? And then you get to 1965 and the Frankfurt School gets its way. They lobby enough to change the immigration structure because prior to 1965, the immigration system says that we have to take 80% of the 80 or 90% of the people that we take into the country have to be from one of these groups. They have to have some, uh, a set descendancy to, to European. And then the, what was left over would be basically a, a voucher system for anybody else. Okay. So 
this country historically, if you want to consider 200 and what are we, 230 something years now, uh, that were in existence is European. Now, I said America's unique. We can't, we can't say it's just European. No, but the problem. No, and it, but even to say that it's just European, I mean, there are distinctions within that. I mean, and that's the thing that a lot of the left don't do well. They're like, "Oh, you're white," and I'm like, "Okay, no. are you Scandinavian? Are you German? Are you Celtic? Like, what are white's you? A, what is white? White's a, white's a catch-all term, right? So, a lot of people don't like to use the term European because then it then you get into like a whole bunch of distinctions. But I use the term European. Um, because, like you said, there are distinctions, right? You got Spanish, you've got uh, Slavic, you've got all these people are European, right? But America is unique because from day one we we brought people here and everything like that, and uh, we kind of laid the groundwork, if you would, for the for our own kind of demise of this country. Um, if you go back and you read uh, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, they all sit in there telling you democracy cannot work in a multicultural society. It has to be a homogeneous society. It has to be 100%. The minute you get diverse populations, they're going to vote for what's best for their population. So you take what we have now, you have BLM. They want land. They want money. They want violence. They want change the laws. They want to do all this and that, right? Why? because they want to benefit their own group. They don't care about you. They don't care about your kids. They care about their group and their kids. This is this is the real tragedy of multicultural society is that it will always de-evolve into a tribal mindset if you would um of people looking for what's in their own best interests. This isn't racism. I think a lot of people misconstrue that and they say, well, if you're anti-immigration and all this and you're saying all that and you're saying tribal and stuff, that sounds kind of racist. Well, it's not. It's historic fact. Okay. It is historic fact. Why is it historic fact? Even in European culture, this happened where you had Saxons and Anglos and Romans all on the British Isle, all fighting for little scraps of that island, right? That's no different. They de-evolved into tribalism because it was too diverse. Now, to tie this into your second question, was Mussolini a bad guy? No, there's no historic evidence other than some some nonsense written by leftist quacks that he was anything other than a nationalist who wanted the best for Italy. He saved Italy from a communist takeover, much like Franco saved Spain from a communist takeover. Uh, he marched on Rome peacefully when the king himself was basically turning into a communist, uh, and he saved the society. He kept the society out of the Great Depression. Uh, people were in a much better place under Mussolini. Uh, even even the colonies that Italy had had run, like Ethiopia and Somalia, uh, and Mogadishu. If I, you know, I show you pictures of what they looked like under under Mussolini's rule. They had these beautiful 
uh, cathedrals and, and incredible uh, European architecture. And largely everybody's happy, right? And I think it was the 1970s. Uh, the UN, I believe it was, was uh, in a portion of Africa. And this guy co comes out of the bush and he's wearing uh, an Italian uh, African Africor troops uniform uh, and says, oh, I'm, I, I was waiting for you. I'm here to fight for El Deuce. I'm here, you know, uh, they were they were astounded that this guy, number one, was, you know, he, he also spoke Italian. And so they were very like, you know, this doesn't make a lot of sense. And why would he want to fight for this guy? That guy, that guy was a mean guy. Um, and that's really that's really the crux of all that, where that all comes into play. Um, fascism is just rightly ordered society. It's just society that economically, politically, uh, people-wise, all of that looks inward instead of looking outward. The problem with America is America's always looking outward. We're always looking something else. And this really largely is even happening in the church, right? Is the church looking inward at the members of the church who, who are in, in a confused state about how things are going? Right. Well, no, I mean, that's, a, that's, a, that's actually a pretty good tie-in to the state of the church right now because the church is much more concerned with ecumenical concerns, interreligious things, religious freedom around the world. And they and they have a they have an exaggerated emphasis on the so-called uh, corporal works of mercy. I don't say so-called as if there are not corporal works of mercy. I say so-called as if eliminating Pollution is some kind of corporal work of mercy, or uh, as as one bishop, I think somewhere in Australia or somewhere else in the Anglosphere, said that taking the vaccine is a corporal work of mercy. So these people don't even know what a corporal work of mercy is, but they're obsessed with them. <laughs> they're obsessed with them, and that's what liberals do. Liberals are obsessed with controlling other people's lives because of their totally uh, empty interior lives. They have nothing going on in their own lives. They have nothing going on in their interior life. As a, and as a distraction to the hollowness of their own interior life, they become busybodies. Sorry, I cut in, but yeah, it's a good tie into the church. It, 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 it really is. It's, it's always looking outward. It's looking toward refugees. It's looking toward immigration. It's looking toward all that. And, and the reality is, is that the USCCB isn't importing uh, a million Catholics who are just totally devout and dedicated to the church every year. Um, what they're doing is importing billions of dollars into their coffers from the United States government uh, by this. And, and, and largely that's really what a lot of, of, you know, immigration and stuff is really about. It's really about getting money and stuff like that. Because if we really go back and we really read the church, the church says it's not good for people to come to a country that's not their own. So you say, how do we say it's all, well because for 237 years that we've been established as a nation uh we have lived here as as a nation as a people if somebody comes in and they come from somewhere else there's actually a, a book and i can't remember the name of it right now but i think it's less than 15 percent of people that come in uh, on the first or second generation will ever fully assimilate. It's usually, and, and St. Thomas Aquinas actually says this too, is that it's actually takes to the fourth generation before you get a complete, 
you know, assimilation of the people uh, into a society, which is why St. Thomas Aquinas takes actually the Jewish rule, which is that you can't have right of citizenship until the fourth generation. Now, if you put that into play, would people move uh, to Italy? Would they move to Germany? Would they move to France? Would they move to America? No, of course they wouldn't. They would stay in their home. They would make their home better. Much like Americans have a problem with comfort, a lot of immigrants have a problem with comfort too because it's much easier to go to another nation where things are easier and take advantage of those easier things. Now, I know you, a lot you know of what's so go, remarkable oh. though is that, is that when you convert a people using the old evangelization, not the Bishop Barron fake evangelization, which breaking news as we're, as we're covering this podcast, by the way, Bishop Barron took a million dollars from some Protestant group that promotes, um, yeah. you know, it's just contracepting inconvenient brown people out of existence in like Tanzania and stuff. Um, but, but the old evangelization when applied to a native people like in South America, like what the Spaniards did within one generation, you have Baroque art, you have Baroque architecture, you have Baroque music. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying about assimilating into a new culture and it taking a long time to properly do that. This is this is a real thing. But also the graces of the church in, in, in conversion to a native people where they are can 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 really provide profound. Now, we don't see that anymore, obviously. In fact, we have bishops in South America, especially in the Amazon region who brag about the fact that they have not even baptized a single baby during their episcopacy. I mean it's like it's like they're it's like they're they're snubbing the church fathers, the doctors and the martyrs especially, the martyrs who died to spread the faith in the new world and were martyred by the savages here. Uh <laughs> they're snubbing their their nose at these people. Um so anyway, I just I wanted to draw a contrast. I wanted to I wanted to tie in conversions and and uh, also rag on turd on fire. Just you know while we're at it, so go ahead. No, I any chance to get beefcake makes me happy. But uh, no, it's absolutely true. If the church and the governments really wanted to do what's in the best interest of these people, then it's to send the church over there, uh, do the ecumenical work that needs to be done, like people like Archbishop Lefebvre did when he was in Dakar, right? You know, he he built schools, he built seminaries, he built hospitals, he did all these things. That turned the people into uh, being proud to be where they were from. Uh, so they didn't want to go somewhere else. They didn't want to, hey, I'm going to go you know, to France and live in France. They, they wanted to live where they were from, uh, and now it was becoming a better place. They were becoming educated. They were becoming uh, more productive, uh, and that's really what you need. And then the this is this is something too. And I, I'm like, I keep jumping in, but you're like you're you're spurring my 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 neurons right now. They're firing. Being proud about where you're from is one of the actual like one of the three antidotes to communism. I mean, the spread of communism in the world requires that, A, you are severed from your roots. You have no roots. So this is why communists love immigration, because you don't have roots. You're moving around. You move to a new country. You can't, you can't, you, there's nothing permanent about that. There's no sense of permanence anyway. It takes a long time to put down those roots, like you said, four generations. 
The second thing that is required for communists to implement communism is that the, the people who are there or, or who have a history there, not only do, are they severed from their roots, but they're ashamed of themselves. Because if you're ashamed of yourself, you're willing for someone else to come in and impose a different self-image on you. This is why they want us to topple our statues. They want us to rename our buildings. They want us to say that the founding fathers are all a bunch of racist hicks that uh, owned slaves and you know hated everything about this country. Now, you and I have d- separate Catholic critiques about the founding fathers, but this is just strictly the religion of communism. And then, of course, the third thing that they need once they get those two is uh, is to basically get uh, you know an economic catastrophe underway. So if you can if you can sever people from their roots, if you can make them ashamed of themselves, and then if you can create an economic emergency like COVID, shut down, non-essential, then you can implement it. So um, so yeah, I mean you you're talking about a people should be proud of who they are. That is one of the antidotes to communism. Absolutely. And I mean, it's also, it's also a very old church tradition that you basically being, you know, everybody, everybody gets into this whole like weird Americanist attitude of separation church and state. No, if this, if there's a state, it's bad. No, uh, read Leo, read Cardinal Balat, read, uh, uh, Aristotle who essentially going all the way back to Aristotle says you have to have a state you you can't have society without having a state and the state does have to have power it can't be a, a feckless thing it has to have power but it has to have rightly ordered power and that power has to come from the idea that of 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 you know, understanding, you know, a lot of people say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do the right thing because I'm more afraid of, of doing the wrong thing and ending up in hell than versus doing the right thing, which is harder and going to heaven. Right. So, um, so that's really what I think a lot of people misunderstand about both fascism and immigration and all that. And so I think that ties it in. Um, before I go though, I do want to talk about another thing that's definitely not rightly ordered. And that is Bruce Jenner. Yeah, we got to get to California. Uh, Bruce Bruce Jenner is going to be the face of the GOP. And I, I'm not going to lie, Pat. Trad Pat, host of Rights and Duties. A lot of people are pretty stoked. Oh, they, yeah. They're very excited about the prospect of Bruce Jenner. I even had... I, I hate to tell you this. I hate to tell you this. I had an in-person interaction with a fairly prominent published author who's a trad Catholic published famous guy yesterday and he says who better to argue against the whole tranny thing than than Bruce Jenner if any like he's he's the best positioned person he's in the best strongest position Pat, to be able to shut down boys and girls sports because who would know better than he? He's an Olympic athlete, and he knows, and he knows it's unfair. He's going to argue. He's going to be our champion for traditional biological sexes. I mean, I, 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 didn't know, I didn't quite know what to say 
I, honestly, like this is this is one of the most dumbfounding experiences of my life. You are witnessing the same thing. Like these people, the especially the grifter class, they're all excited about Bruce Jenner. I think it comes down to uh, again, it goes back to what I said. It it's it's liberal conservatism. Um that's essentially what it is. It's it's it it's ultimately liberalism with free market economics. That's really all it is. You you see this from from the pride flags at GOP things. You see the grunt style guys out there, you know, like, oh, this is my gay friend, you know. I'm not afraid of my gay friend. Uh, well, I'm not afraid of him either. I just think he's gross and he shouldn't be outside in society. Uh, I know, I know a lot of people are going to go, <gasps> um, but honestly, no, people like Bruce Jenner, uh, openly homosexual people like, uh, what's the guy, uh, mayor Pete, uh, who's now transportation secretary he has absolutely no, no experience in transportation or civil engineering at all. Somehow he becomes a transportation secretary, whatever. That's just another reason why America's former government stinks, but propping these people up and making them normal, uh, is why our kids are so off. They're so, uh, unright. They, they're depressed. They're overweight. They're, uh, you know, they're all these things because we are not instilling in our children what is rightly ordered, uh, man and rightly ordered woman. And so I look at Bruce and I go, yeah, they're going to push Bruce. They're going to push Bruce and Bruce is going to win. I'm going to tell you two reasons. The people of California hate, uh, Newsom so much that even the people on the left are going to be like, all right, yep, I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to vote for the, the Republican tranny. Um, and and the Republicans are like, oh, this is so base, man. We got we got our own tranny here. It's like, it's like certain I won't mention names, but certain people that work for Ben Shapiro that are supposedly Catholic out there taking pictures with a tranny named Lady Maga, uh, and going, oh, it's a rising star in the conservative movement here. Like, yeah, real trad of you there, brother. Um, yeah, and I I happen to know people who know this guy, and I happen to know traditional priests that were giddy at the thought of going out to LA, visiting this guy, going to dinner with them. I got sent pictures. And these people, these people have no principles whatsoever. Even these guys, no. these, these men in cassocks who are, want to line up next to the tranny lovers. And, it, and, and it's, and it's sick. It's sick. It's really, it's really an example, not only of our society, and how off the rails our society is, but how off the rails the church is. The church has lost its way, and very few people are willing to say it because more and more people are looking for comfort. I got to run back to comfort, you know, this traditional stuff and calling out trannies and homosexuals and saying that they shouldn't be out in public. I can't be around that. No, but they shouldn't be out in public. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. We should not have kids shows with homosexuals in them. We shouldn't have kids shows with transsexuals in them. We shouldn't have kids being able to go out to the supermarket with mom and dad to buy apples and have to see trannies or homosexuals or, or, or sick weirdos who have like shaved heads with, with purple mohawks that, that, you know, the, you know, my daughters have turned to me sometimes and go, dad, is that a girl or a guy? And it's like, you don't have to whisper. I have no idea what that is. 
Um, you know, and I get the looks. I get I get the looks. I get the people who want to take pictures of me, and I just uh, honestly, I give them the look. You know, and I say to people, I there there is a look that you can give these people. There's and I there's talk a, about this preparing there's yourself. Thing, though, there's a thing though, is that the the boomer GOP dying gasping GOP they have no ability to fight this onslaught of evil in the public square because comma freedom you know like these people are they're they're essentially like you said they're a lot of them are libertarian ish and they're like well they're not hurting me well yes they are they're hurting you they're hurting your children they're hurting they're hurting our culture they're hurting our society and they shouldn't be seen we were a lot better off when they were ashamed to go out into public and they stayed home and um and and a, and a truly catholic society in a polite society in a better society our forefathers would have done what it t- they would have taken care of this problem but they also would have nipped it in the bud in, in a lot of other ways which we're not going to cover in this podcast obviously but the GOP trad pat i mean i know you got to go but before you go from either from 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 left coast to to florida coast our options are DeSantis, you know, Wailing Walls DeSantis, who's okay with with uh, COVID passports as long as he doesn't have his name on him. And then on the left coast, you got like a literal transsexual who's who's very likely to at least make the ballot, make the top two in their jungle primary. It's for sure going to make the ballot, which Republicans rarely do in California anyway. It's usually the choice of two Democrats because it's a jungle primary, so it's the top two vote getters get make it. So. Bruce Jenner is going to make it to the ballot at least. We know that. Um, no, he's going to win. These are the choices. No, he's going to win. I'm going to tell you right now he's going to win. Okay, <laughs> uh, hands down, I'll put $100 uh, to, to the bookstore of your choice uh, that he's going to win. I mean, California is larger than France by population. I think by geography as well, but certainly by population. It's like 45, it'll be 50 million people by the time Bruce Jenner is sworn in. Mm -hmm. You're talking about 50 million people being governed by someone with a mental disorder. We got 365 million people being governed by somebody with a mental disorder. Well, he has his mental disorder is a little different. The usurper in chief, fake Catholic Joe Biden, uh, he actually just has a mental impairment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's, I mean, he's just, uh, I, I have my own, my own, uh, my own opinions of the things that Joe, I, I think a lot of people aren't old enough to know like what Joe really is. Uh, unfortunately I am old enough to know what Joe really is and he's, he's, he's got major issues, but you know what? It's, it's society, dude. It's, it's society in America. You know, again, it's, it's the comfort. It's it's the easy going. It's the I don't want to have, you know, I, I don't want to have this. I don't want to have that. And it's the false freedom, you know. Uh, Cardinal Balat wrote about you know, basically the the idea of freedom and liberty that comes out of both the French and American revolutions is liberalism, 
in both ways. And in both ways, it has to, it has to get rid of two things. It has to get rid of all theological principles. Okay. And what's one of the basic theological principles getting rid of is a guy who cuts off his wang doodle and says he's a girl, right? Um, there goes all your theological principles right out the window. Uh, if that's elected, secondly, liberalism has to do away with, uh, the majority and in America today, uh, straight white Christian males are still the majority here. Um, a lot of people don't know that because they listen to the wrong people, but they're still the majority. The problem is, is that a lot of those straight white Christian males are soy boys. They're GOP conservatives listening to 22 year old boys who play with Legos and live stream video games while they're talking about politics that they can't have any understanding about because they've never had a job. They can't talk about economics because they've never had a job. Um, you know, and so all of our society is so lost. And, and, you know, when I, when I talk about fascism, when I talk about protecting yourself from what's coming, I don't just talk about fascism. Uh, for those who don't listen to me, I also talk about prepping, how to prep yourself, how to prepare yourself, how to defend yourself, how, how, how to act when the police come to your door. And yes, I do have experience with this. I spent 21 years in human intelligence. Um, so believe me, if I'm telling you how to act when the police come knocking at your door, you best to listen. Well, no, I'm, um, I'm glad you're bringing this up because this is going to be my final question uh, before you go because there's this triumphalist um, American spirit that, you know, we can't fail and critics of this podcast are going to say, okay, all you guys did for the last hour is admire the problem and in great detail, can you give me something I can hang my hat on? Can you give me something practical to do? I think for this particular topic, though, Trad Patrick, there may not be anything that we can do besides what we can control within our own families. I mean, mm -hmm. and um, and that we we may just have to hang our hats on that. Is that is that kind of how you see it as well? I mean, we're not going to change we're not going to change the politics of forty five million people living in California. We're not going to uh, mm -hmm. get rid of this transgender dysphobia. Uh, basket case who's going to be the governor of the second largest state in the United States, like, or the first largest state, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, we, we can't control that. We can only control what we can control. Um, and you're right, you do talk about very practical things, but there may not actually be a practical thing for this there particular topic. So I, I talked to a lot of nationalists from other countries. I, I just uh, recently had Nick Griffith on, uh, former head of the BNP, um, and uh, him and I were talking and we absolutely agree that th there's no political solution. So just get your head out of that. Uh, you, you're going to run for mayor of your town. You think you're going to get something with that? No, Biden's already talking about having the DOJ uh, enforce the government's rules on trannies on states that have uh, said that they're not going to allow it. So there's no political solution. The only practical solution that you can have is to have children teach your children, bring them up in true tradition, not just a Latin mass, but true tradition, move away from the cities, move away from the towns, 
build communities of like-minded people. Yeah, you might have to downsize. Boo freaking who. Uh, you're not going to have the 4,000 square foot freaking made by a uh, illegal immigrant home in the suburbs that's going to fall apart in five years anyway. Um, you know, your tile is going to start popping up. And yes, I do know this too. Your tile will start popping up. All your, all your corners of your sheetrock are going to chip. Your carpet's going to start peeling up. Okay. It's garbage. So if you got to downsize to something and you got yourself a little three to five acre plot of land and you can feed your family on that, because believe you me, this attack on meat is getting bigger. You've got food magazines that are now saying they're not going to include any meat recipes. You've got some some jackass in New York City uh, saying that his restaurant, three Michelin star restaurant, is not going to include meat anymore. Um, those attacks are coming, so you've got to get out. You've got to get away from everything where they where they're they're not going to come. Believe you me, if you've got twenty or thirty families living out there, and everybody says, "Oh, they're going to Waco you." If you act like a jackass, if you're acting like a weirdo cult member, yeah, there's probably a good chance you're get, they're going to do that. If you're just some guys living out there in the woods and everything like that, as long as you're not coming into town and you're not, they're going to leave you alone. They're going to largely leave you alone because society is going to fall apart. Um, and the best thing to do is to be ready for the for the for the inevitable collapse. Uh, and then society's going to look for a solution. And that's when we can we can go in and say, hey, let me present you with this solution. And it's a rightly ordered society based on natural law, based on the Catholic Church. Um, and and, and, to, be, and to be clear, to be clear, um, you're not endorsing the F word, let's say, for the long term. This is an intermediary step to the full restoration of the Catholic monarchy. The problem is that there's no families with a hundred years experience doing this. So you've got to cultivate a family, no, I, a, a, a Royal family, right? No, I, I would say that the only way you're going to get to a monarchy is through fascism. It's the only way you, you don't go from democracy to monarch. It doesn't work that way. And as you said, and I've said this a million times, you, you don't, plant a seed in the ground, water it in a couple of weeks, a, a king and a royal family prop up and, and everything like that. It doesn't happen. First off, th that, that family would have to be handpicked by the church, by the, by the people. Then they would have to be taught everything from etiquette to, to church doctrine to everything else. And then maybe 75 years, maybe 100, one of them can, can sit on a throne and be, and be crowned as king. Absolutely. But in the interim, you, you, you're not getting there without you're not getting there through through false democracies and fake republics and and all this other stuff, because the sooner everybody realizes that you don't live in a republic, you don't live in a democracy, you live in a liberal social democracy. That is what you live in. All of the signs are right there in your face from tranny story time to the economic policies of Joe Biden and even the economic policies of, of Donald Trump. It is liberalism. Liberalism is one of the things that the church spent the better part of the entire 1900s uh, speaking out loudly against. Uh, going back even as far as the French Revolution, the church was screaming that this was a problem. 
and nobody listened. So uh, that's the real problem. And, and the real solution is, is number one, there is no solution right now. The solution is families, the faith, bringing your families up, building a community, like-minded people around you. Maybe they're not even around you, but at least there's a, a network of people you can reach out to, uh, preparing you know, a lot of Catholics go, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible to prep. It also says don't be a dumbass. So, um, you know, <laughs> I, I'm definitely paraphrasing there. Um, but uh, last time I checked, Noah didn't just like put the animals on on the boat. OK, he put food and all these other things uh, on the boat. So he prepared that boat. Okay, uh, Bishop Williamson talked about it uh, this past weekend on the show with me. Uh, you know, he prepared. So just because it doesn't explicitly tell you to do it, sometimes you have to know how to read. It's one of the things that I, I scream about that people just don't know how to read. Um, and I, I think we could go we could go all night and we'll probably have to do another one while we're both uh, out and about for for work. Um and go more in depth on that. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think people want to know a little bit more about that. People are intrigued by monarchy right now. But I think there's, you know, it's it's a pretty in vogue thing within the conservative, orthodox, traditionalist communities to be like, you know, actually, if Christ is King of Kings, then kingship is the right order of things. Yeah, that's true. But how do you get there practically? What are the blocking and tackling? What are the practical steps you can do? Um, you, pre you present a very interesting argument, Trad Patrick of rights and duties. And I'd love to have you back as soon as possible to, you know, maybe explore these things and unpack them a little bit, because I think you're right. I, this, the, the moment you have a Royal family that's not equipped for the, uh, the burden of leadership. Um, and look, it's gotta be more than one guy deep. You know, one guy could take two to the chest, one of the head, his start, his heart could stop beating for any moment. He could abdicate for some reason. He, could, uh, you know, and then how deep is the bench in that family? And um, and if they're not all raised right and equipped for it, then you know the whole thing kind of falls apart. So you need a little bit of prep and planning, not just for that, but you know for for the intermediary steps as well. But I think a lot of people are waking up uh, to the fact, and maybe we can we can conclude on this note. A lot of people are waking up to the fact after the events of uh, November 2020 and subsequently um, to the to the weakness of so-called democracy. Like people are waking up to that and they're open to more alternatives. And when things get really bad, they're going to be even more open to alternatives. Yep. Absolutely. And then they'll say, that crazy guy was right. <laughs> that crazy guy with that Jersey accent. Uh, his the crazy guy with the Jersey accent. His name is Trad Patrick. You can follow him on Twitter. Although he doesn't expressly like it when you do that, uh, he goes by Guido, the clerical authoritarian, at Patrick Trad on Twitter. Rights and duties on YouTube. Rights and duties. And um, I would be so excited if you could keep up with your anchor distribution as well, because I like to listen to your podcast when they're podcasts, but I don't like to pay for YouTube. And so I listen to you as long as I can on YouTube, and then I have to click off on something else on my phone, and then I forget to come back to it. So um, do the podcast, Pat. 
doing it more, doing it more. It's definitely uh, <laughs> excellent. I, 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 things I can say on YouTube are becoming a lot smaller. Yeah, it's true. It's true. As our vocabulary shrinks on YouTube, our uh, um, we can still at least be ourselves here on Anchor. And by the way, uh, I think we should we should dual release this episode because you did most of the talking, so I think it should go out on on yours as well. Absolutely. I will do that tomorrow. I have to, unfortunately, I have to run to work, uh, for my, my second shift that I have guys working, uh, and you know, the boss coming out here and not showing up and at least saying, Hey, uh, doesn't set a good precedent. Be well, my friend. Take care.